Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Welcome to all of our first-time guests. If you are here visiting for the very first time, I uh, just want to say welcome home. Uh, my name is Matt. My wife, Jackie, and I, we pastor this incredible church called Fountain Church. And uh, really, really grateful that you're here this morning. We've been in a series that I think you're going to enjoy um, entitled Game Over. Uh, but as you're turning to Luke chapter 5, I was thinking this morning, you know, we're under construction. Uh, our, our, our vision for uh, 2018 was to double our space so we can double our stories. Because how many of you guys know that every, every name in this community, every number in this community has a name, and every name has a story that God cares about. And, uh, and we have to create space for those who aren't here yet. And so we've been kind of doing this construction in phases, and I started to think, I always want to be somebody that's under construction. Because it's a little bit messy. Like I was looking at... This morning, I'm looking at some of our, we just got some new duct in, but we still have some texturing to do. But I always want to be under construction because as long as you're under construction, it means you're going somewhere, right? It means God is building something. God is doing something. It's, we're not just stagnant, but, but something is being established. Something new is on the horizon. Now, I don't want to be under construction with poor stewardship, um, but I do want to be under construction um, with Jesus, allowing him to rebuild, to refine, to reshape. And even when it looks a little bit messy, it's okay because we're going somewhere. Yeah. We're going somewhere. Does that, does that encourage anybody today? Come on. It should encourage everybody. Luke chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 1. We're in our series entitled Game Over. It says this, one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And great crowds pressed in to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who was also known as Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he said, now go out where it is deeper. Everybody say deeper. And let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And at this time, their nets were so full that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon Peter. He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I, I want to speak to you guys for a few moments around this idea of game over. To comparison, game over. We are declaring game over to comparison. Not a fancy title, just wanted it to be clear. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning. God, as we dive into your word, God, would you open up our hearts to, to really receive what you have. I believe today's message, Lord, could really shift the entire course of our life. And so, Lord, I just ask that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, everything you'd speak to us and help us to see even the things that we don't yet recognize, but most of all, let us recognize you in a very real way today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? 
Amen. Amen. Well, I, I told a story not too long ago. Uh, some of you guys uh, who know me, uh, you guys know the story pretty well, but I think it fits well with where we're going. Uh, if, if I rewind back to uh, my first year of marriage, 2005, we were trying to save some money. Uh, we lived about a mile from the church. And so I had this brilliant idea that rather than driving a car to the office, I was going to buy a moped, right? And last time I didn't get to really share what this thing looked like. Let me show you a picture of this moped. And I thought, for, I thought that was cool, right? Had some flames on the side. I felt good about it. And uh, so, so long story short, I, I was on my way to church one morning, and I tried to ride it cool. So it wouldn't look like, you know, I try to put my foot off to the side and relax and enjoy the journey. And uh, it just so happened that a, that a brand new Lincoln Navigator full of people pulled up beside me. Actually, this is I was coming home from church. And, uh, and they, they pulled up beside me and there was tinted windows so I couldn't see. I already feel awkward because I can't see into the car. And so I'm sitting at the light and just kind of glancing over. And all of a sudden, all the windows come down and everybody in the car starts laughing at me. Right? They start pointing at me laughing like, ah, right? And I, I thought, are they, I'm looking around, like, is there a car next to me? No, they're laughing at me because I was on a little moped. I thought it was cool. But it burst some insecurity on the inside of me, can I just tell you. That day, everywhere I went, I saw great bikes. And I'm on this little moped. Right? All of a sudden, there are motorcycles everywhere. Harleys and, you know, fast bikes. And so I started to get this, this sense in my heart that, I need to get a bike, right, $1,500 moped, like 120 miles a gallon. Who needs that? Who needs to save money? I need an upgrade. And so my, my next bike, true story, uh, let me show you what I got. I got the R6. Ain't nobody going to laugh at me on this thing, right? Got the helmet, the jacket. But then I started hanging around some guys who rode motorcycles. Some of our pastoral staff got them. We started partnering with some people in our church. And now we're going out and we're riding with, you know, 30, 40 people. And everybody has bigger bikes, faster bikes. They can do tricks on the freeway. I mean, exciting stuff. So I thought, man, if, if I could just get 250 more cc's of power, I'm going to be, that's almost like I've arrived, right? If I could just get a little bit more power. So I did, and I upgraded. Let me show you the next bike. I got a Gixxer 750. I went from a 600 to a 750. Now, let me, let me tell you um, how much this cost. $1,500 for the moped, saving on gas. That was the mission. Ended up tra trading that in for an $8,000 bike. And then end up trading that in for a $12,000 bike. So much for saving money. All because I got laughed at. And I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, but I think all of us can relate with this big idea. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down today, is that comparison will cost you. Comparison will cost you. You see, I bought into this myth that if I could just get the bigger bike, if I could just get a little bit more power, if I could just look cool on the bike with the right helmet, the matching jacket, then I'm going to feel better. And truthfully, I did until I realized I can't afford these things, right? <laughs> and I started to realize that better only lasts so long. 
Because I, I like the way Andy Stanley said it like this. He says, he says there's always somebody with a bigger-er. Right, let me show you what that looks like. Let me show you. Right, there's always somebody with a bigger-er. Go one more. Go one more for me. There's always somebody that's richer, skinnier, smarter, prettier. For me as a preacher, there's always somebody that's a better preacher, happier, someone who's hipper. <laughs> Pastors don't got anything on hip, being hip when it comes to it. I think I'm like, I'm leading the way there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Healthier, funnier, and if you're a cab, there's always a better warrior. Oh. <laughs> but we're going to deal, deal with this idea of comparing to people next week. Because it's not just comparing to people when we think about the comparison trap that we get caught up in. It's not just about people, but I think many times, even more so, we get, caught up prepare, we get caught up comparing our past to what Jesus wants to do in the present. And there's a couple of different errs that I want to deal with today. And the first one is, and the, those two are remember and never. Because, yeah, because I, I think, you know, we find ourselves in moments where Jesus wants to do something new. We're on a journey. He, he, he's calling us to step out into certain arenas. He's calling us into to some deep waters. He's calling us into areas where it might, you know, it might be a little out of our comfort. It might be a little mysterious, but God wants us to move forward. God wants us to grow. That's why I always say here at Fountain Church, we're not a lake but a river. Lakes are cool. You can play. You can come and splash around. But we don't want to just splash around here. We want you, when you step into this house, that you go somewhere. And a river that's flowing, you're going to step in and you're going to move. New horizons, new growth, fresh scenery, some rapids, some difficulty, some challenges. But all leading to move people, to move us closer to God and, a close, and closer to others. Like this, this, is, this, is our, this is our heart here. But what, what hinders that process a lot of times is Jesus is inviting us to something new. Jesus is inviting us to the next stage. Jesus is inviting us. On this journey, and we say, oh, no, 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 no. Lord, I know you're calling me to do that. I know that this might be a great idea, but I remember what happened when I stepped out in faith last time. I remember last time I got wounded by that individual. I remember when I tried to dream and I got crushed. And so a lot of times the remembers then lead to the nevers, right? Because of our, our past experience, we start to compare what Jesus wants to do in the future. And, and, we, and we say things like, well, Lord, I've tried that in the past. It'll never work. I can never be vulnerable again. I can never trust you. I can never put myself in that type of a situation, I can never, 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 because I remember, and so I'll never. And can I just tell you, in that place, whether you're comparing yourself to people or your past, it will cost you. Now, now please don't hear me say that we can't learn from people and grow from people and be inspired by others. That's something completely different. And, and the same is with your past. You can reflect and remember and learn and grow. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when an unhealthy comparison creeps into our life and keeps us and hinders us from what Jesus wants to do 
in the future. What Jesus wants to do even in the present. I'm talking about that kind of comparison. And it'll cost you. If you fall into this trap, it'll cost you. It'll, it'll cost you your money. It will cost you your integrity. It will cost you vision. It will cost you righteousness. It will cost you security. It will cost you fear. I mean, there's so many different costs that we have to pay. And, and here, here's, the heart of, here's the heart of all of it is I don't want you to have to pay a cost that Jesus already paid for. I don't want you to be bound for something that Jesus already paid for you to be free. No way. And so today there's only really one R that God wants us to focus on. There's only one R that Jesus wants us to lean into over the next couple of weeks. And it's going to wrap up our series. But we are going to, when it comes to comparison, are you ready for this? We are going to declare game over. Game over. And how are we going to do that? We've been looking at different men and women in the scriptures throughout this entire series. And today, the gentleman that's going to help us declare game over on comparison is a man, you ready for this, by the name of Peter. Come on. It was right there. I, I, I had to take it. And the first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Actually, but, but before, before we do that, let me just give you a little context of who Peter is. Because this may be your first church experience. Maybe you're new to this whole thing. You're like, who's Peter? Well, well Peter is a gentleman who was Jesus' right hand. I mean, this guy was one of Jesus' closest, closest disciples, one of his best friends. Peter was the, the heart of the team. He was the Draymond Green of the disciples. Right, passionate, excited, always putting his foot in his mouth, fouling, you know what I mean? Like, he was the heart of the team. He had so much passion but lacked a little wisdom, a little bit of zeal, but didn't, you know, lacked a little bit of knowledge. And, but, man, Jesus looked at Peter and said, man, Peter, you're going to be a pillar in the church. <laughs> Upon this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. That's what Peter means. It means rock. And so Peter, he, he was a passionate guy. And, and there's a lot we can learn from Peter, both good and bad. And Peter's going to teach us some things today on how to declare game over on comparison. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Is that Peter's going to encourage us to say yes to Jesus in the present, no matter what you experienced in the past. He's going to encourage us to say yes to Jesus in the present, no matter what you experienced in the past. Now, let me set the stage for you. Jesus is out and about on the Sea of Galilee. Peter is just getting to know Jesus a little bit better at the, at the time that we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 5. He's still getting, you know, he's still getting to know him. He, he knows him as Lord, but he's not sure exactly. Are you somebody that's used by God? Are you God? Like, what is going on here? And there, there's a beautiful moment that they're walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is preaching talking to the people. People are pressing in. They want to hear the word of God. And that's where we pick up in our text today. So go with me. Luke chapter 5. This is what it says. It says this. It says, he noticed, Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, which is Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, one of the interesting things about the Sea of Galilee, it's, it's actually really cool, 
um, many times uh, communicators uh, in, in, in that day of age, they would, they would step into a vessel like that. They would push out just a little bit from the shore and their vocals w- would reflect off of the water so that people could hear them a little bit more clearly. And Jesus didn't want anybody to miss out on what he had to say. And so continue. It goes on to say that when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go. Everybody say, now go. Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. You know, I I think this is a great picture of the tension that many of us live in on a regular basis. Jesus is saying, now go, and we're telling him how it's not going to work. Jesus is saying, I got this for you. Let's go. And we're saying, no, I remember. Never. And we, we tell Jesus and we begin to explain why it's not going to work. Now, Peter, like us a lot of times, we have great reasons and justifications of why we say no to Jesus, don't we? I think all of us do. I mean, Peter's like, hold on. The carpenter is now trying to school the fishermen about fish. I don't know how well that settles with me, Jesus. I mean, it's Peter you're talking to. Like, I know every hot spot on this lake. I am this lake, Jesus, right? <laughs> like, I know where the, the hot spots are. I know I have a lot of experience. This is my living, Jesus. You might want to stick to building homes. Because I understand how to fish. And there's some tension because Peter has some experience. Peter has developed somewhat of an expertise in this particular area. And so it's a little perplexing to Peter what Jesus is asking because everybody knows that on the Sea of Galilee, you don't catch fish in the day, in the deep. That's not even, what are you talking about, Jesus? You catch fish in the Sea of Galilee in the shallow at night. Hence the fact they were fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. Like that, that was the, the prime time. So, so Jesus is speaking to Peter and asking him to really violate everything he knows to be true based on his experience on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is saying, yeah, Pete, that's, that's exactly what I want you to do. And Peter's like, oh, I, there's a crowd watching. My friends are watching. And you want me to do what? See, I think here's the problem many times. As many times because of our, our experience, if we're not careful, the temptation is we will begin to say yes to our experience rather than saying yes to God's word. We find ourselves saying and submitting to what we've experienced rather than submitting to what God has for us. And I, I think that that's a challenge and that's a feeling that we all have. And, and, and whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you have experienced this in one form of another where there's something that you know, um, it, it, it may be right, like you know you should do, but it kind of violates everything that you've experienced. And I, I remember going back when we first got married, we purchased a condo in the height of the market. You ready for this? We paid 275000 for 600 square feet. 600. It's like a closet, right? And uh, I, I remember literally, you, can be, you could be in our condo 
every room at one time. Like you could be like laundry, dishes, television, right? I mean, it, 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 was, it, was, it, was, it was that small. And, and when the market crashed, uh, we, we saw it coming. And so we were able to get out without hurting our credit, without missing a payment. We were able to get scot-free. So we, we got out right before the big crash. And we had an opportunity uh, a couple of years later to purchase, um, to purchase a, a couple of properties. Now, this is at the bottom of the market. Uh, the, the, this, there was a, a one-bedroom in Dublin for 80000 completely renovated and remodeled. 80000 There was a, a two-bedroom townhome with washer and dryer unit inside of it, 150000 And my friend was the realtor. She was like, come on. And I really felt in that moment, I felt like God was opening up another opportunity for the future. Whether it was going to be an investment or whatever the case is, that, I, I still look. You want to know how much this, like, haunts me? I still look sometimes on Craigslist and I see that one bedroom that's renting for, like, 2500 And I'm like, our rent would have been 600 That would have been a great income, right? And I, 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 I feel the weight and the tension of that. And there was an opportunity that, that God was opening up for us to move into the future. But because of our experience in the past, we were afraid. We're like, man, let's, maybe it's going to drop a little bit more. Let's. Let's not do anything. And really, the, the big portion in our hearts, we were, we were afraid. We didn't want to get caught up. We didn't want to, you know, get into a situation that, that was horrible. And now we're looking, and the two-bedroom townhome sold for like 400000 and the one bedroom's going for like three hundred. And we're like, no! Because there was an opportunity that Jesus was saying, now go! And we were saying, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Now, that, that relates to Jackie and I, that's kind of a specific thing that God was doing to us. But can I just be honest with you? Do you know how many now goes there are in God's word? How many now goes that God is wanting to speak to us every single day? Now go and forgive. Now go and be generous. Now go and be courageous. Now go and be free. Now go and sin no more. I mean, there's so many now goes that Jesus invites us to. But, but we live in that tension between what we've experienced and what Jesus is speaking. And we're trying to figure it out, like, what do I do in that tension? Because I find myself comparing to what I experienced in the past to what Jesus wants to do in the present. And the hardest part is saying yes. It's saying yes. Because we don't know what's on the other side of that yes. And we, we're faced with, with this dilemma. And, and, and so can I just ask you this morning, what is God speaking to you today? Like, What is the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear? Where is your now go that you've been saying, yeah, but? And maybe God's going to stir some things in your heart this morning. So what do we do in that place? What do we do in the midst of that tension? How do we say yes? To Jesus in the midst of that fight. And I think Peter gives us a great example of what to do. If you're taking notes, you want to jot this down. Peter simply turned his I don't think so's into but if you say so. He simply turned his I don't think so's into but if you say so. I don't think so to but if you say so. Look what Peter said. Are you guys with me? You guys alive this morning? It says this, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, Peter said, I'll let down the nets again. 
Now, I've read this passage hundreds of times. It's one of my favorite passages in the scriptures. Can I just, like, point out to you a couple of things here? In all of my time of reading this passage, this word has never stood out to me more than it has this time. I will let down the nets again. And I thought, that's it, Lord. That's what's so hard for us. Because many of us are just thinking, I just can't do that again. I can't go through that again. I can't be heartbroken again. I can't be vulnerable again. I can't submit to leadership again. I can't give my marriage another shot. I can't do it again. And, and we have these agains that, that, that we, we just can't imagine ourselves saying, no, 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 I just, I can't do it again. And, and I don't blame Peter in this moment. If he would have said, no, I, I can't do it again, Lord. Like, we've been out all night. I'm exhausted. They just got done cleaning their nets. Like, everything is put away. Everything is tidy. And you want us to go and get messy all over again. And our first round was disappointing immensely. And Jesus says, yeah, I want you to do it again. But, Lord, we haven't caught anything all night. I don't think so. But if you say so, let's go. You know, I started to, 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 to remember a couple of these moments in my life where um, when Jesus was calling us to come here to Fountain Church, I, I remember that, and many of you know that I wrestled with anxiety a lot in my life. And normally anxiety for me was triggered by big events. It, it was really heartbreaking. I just found out that one of my friends got murdered um, in San Lorenzo a couple days ago. They just identified the body, and it was my friend. And I was like, ah. Oh. And I've had a lot of big events in my life. And I thought every time a big event happened, it would trigger, and I would kind of spiral. And now when we're asked to come to Fountain, I've been years without anxiety. And, and this thought came up. Lord, there's, there's a lot on the line here. Like, we're, we're not going to, to security. We're, we're not walking into, we're walking into a great church, but we're not walking into security. You know, we're, we're, we're leaving a very comfortable, a very secure place. And I have a wife. I have kids. Like, and I remember myself saying, Lord, and the anxiety. I can't do that again. Like, that just, that was so hard on my heart. It was just so Hard. I just remember saying, I can't do it again. But I remember vividly saying, but if you say so. If you say so. And, and, and there's just these, these moments that, that, that we find ourselves in. Uh, it was Mother's Day. Now, on Mother's Day, you don't want to preach like a, a deep message is what they tell you, right? Because people are coming, visitors are coming, and I've never, like, bought into that. But I, I want you to understand something, that those things do cross my mind. And I remember it was Mother's Day this year, just a few weeks back, and I remember the message that God put in my heart. And all the experts would say, no, based on our experience, don't preach a message like that. But I felt like Jesus was saying, preach this message. And I was like, uh, I don't think so. But if you say so, 
And I remember that morning we, we got word back that there was a, a woman that was driving past our church. She saw the balloons outside. She hadn't been to church in a very long time. She decided to turn into our property. She, she came through, walked through the back door, and the first thing that she heard me say was, the Lord told me to tell somebody today, do not be afraid. And she had been wrestling with fear and asking God, like, what in the world is happening in my life, right? Because here's, here's the reality. Here's the reality is on the other side of your think so, if Jesus is calling you to something and you say, but if you say so, how many of you guys knew, know that he knew where the fish were? He knew this woman was going to walk through the door. He knew the plans that he had for this church. So listen, you couldn't be more in a more secure place, in a more safe place than if you just simply make this pivot from I don't think so to because you say so. That can change the trajectory of everything about your life. Matter of fact, if there was not one other message that I preached and all you took away from this church is when it comes to Jesus calling me, I'm just going to say because you said so. But if you say so, that would change your life forever and would stretch your faith and take you to heights that you could have never imagined. Could have never imagined. And see, when we take that posture it leads to a fullness. It leads to a fullness. Look what it says. It goes on to say, it says, And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners into the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Can I just tell you that there is a fullness that comes with obedience? There's a fullness. Like God does something on the inside. Can I just be honest with you? This story is not about fish. It's about Jesus. It's never been about fish. It's, it's, it's about this reality that if we get Jesus, we get everything that we need. Listen, if we trust him, if we submit to his word, there is a fullness that comes with that. That is so full, that is so overwhelming, that your heart and your boats will not be able to contain. That's just the reality. See, a lot of times we, we read this story and we think, hmm, if I say yes to Jesus, what can I get? That's not the heart of this story. The heart of this story is when you say yes to Jesus, there will be a fullness about your life that you cannot explain and that you cannot Hold, because if we get him, we get everything. Because I'm going to tell you, if you say yes to Jesus, it doesn't mean your boats are always going to be full. He promises to provide every need. But it doesn't mean that your boats are always going to be full, but it does mean your heart will. Let, let me explain. Jackie came to me one day. I don't think I've ever told the story here. Uh, maybe a couple people in growth track, but she came up to me one day. We're about a year into to Fountain. It was about th three years ago now. And she said, babe, I feel like God wants us to give away our car. I was like, what? <laughs> I know we want to lead the way in generosity. But, like, we can't afford Uber. And we had just, we had, we had, we had $1,000 left to pay on, on, on our vehicle, and then we owned it outright. And she said, babe, I really feel like God is, is telling us to give away our car. And, and so 
it was like, what am I going to argue with that? Like, no, we're not going to, it's not a good financial you know, decision. So we paid the extra thousand and we gave it away. I'm not saying this so you can be like, wow, you're so spiritual and you're so, no. I'm, I'm saying this because we struggled for six months after that. All of our needs were met, but our boats weren't overflowing, but our hearts were. Because there's something that happens when your heart is in alignment with what Jesus is saying. Even though your boats may not be full, he's taking you somewhere. God is doing something on the inside. There's a fullness that comes with that. And so I'm just telling you, listen, your yes to Jesus will be the most fullest thing you will ever experience in your life. But it doesn't mean that it's always going to be, you know, this, this, oh my goodness, we got more fish than we could imagine. Some moments will be like that. But some moments will be like Job. I got nothing anymore. But yet my eyes have seen the Lord. I see you now. And, 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 here, and here's the truth. Solomon in all of his splendor, all of his glory, the richest, most prominent man that history will ever know, screamed at the pinnacle of his success, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Job lost everything and he screamed from the top of his lungs, he's enough. There's a fullness with him that you cannot explain. All of our needs were met, but God wants to do something in you as much as he wants to do something through you. Are you tracking with me on that? So say yes to Jesus. Make sure that your I don't think so's are shifting to but if you say so. And then lastly is this, is let grace, not fear, shape your future. Look, 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 look what happened here. The text continues, and it says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. So just get this picture. Their boats are filled with fish. Peter called his boys over like, come on, guys, let's get it. The boats are on the verge of sinking. Oh, I mean, so much excitement, so much momentum, so much busyness. And all of a sudden, Peter has a moment like, what is happening here? And right in the middle of all that fish, he falls on his knees. And Elvis, if you could come up for me, that would be awesome and get ready. He falls on his knees and he says, get away from me. Like he, he realized what was happening. I think sometimes today, ladies and gentlemen, we go so fast, we never pause and stop and realize what in the world is happening. Like I'm standing when I shouldn't be standing. My boats are filled when they should be empty. My heart has joy when everything screams I should be miserable. And he realized who Jesus was. Now, now here's the secret. When we realize who Jesus is, we realize who we're not. And can I just tell you, there's no comparison. We realize that we're not God, that we're in desperate need of a Savior. And Peter's like, you're not just someone that God is using. Like, you know what's in the depths of the sea. Oh, no. That means you know what's in the depths of my heart. Get away from me. Get away from me. I think sometimes we compare our past, failures, sin, rebellion to what God wants to do with us in the future. And we say, I can't do it. Remember? Remember what I did? 
You can never use me like that. Jesus says, oh man, you have no idea. I want you to check out this story real quick of a man who had to learn to let grace shape his future and not fear. He and one of the moms travel the nation now together, letting kids know about drunk driving. And so we have to let grace shape our future, not fear. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says this. He says, man, Pete, I, I know, man, I know. I get it. I know all of it. But look what Jesus, look what Peter says. Jesus replied, I'm sorry, look what Jesus said. Jesus replied to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on. Listen, some of you here this morning need a from now on. Like I see, just like I see the fish, I see your soul. But from now on, grace is going to shape your future. And can I just tell you, when, when grace is really understood, it, it doesn't cause you to say, all right, this is great. I can just go and do whatever I, whatever I want. God's going to forgive me. And I can just live my life however I choose. And, and that's like a simple aspect of the gospel. But true grace, when it's understood, says, I'll give everything away. Because I'm so I don't want to touch that. I don't want to, I don't want to be even a rod. Just true grace, when it's experienced, when you experience the grace of God, it will cause you to let go of everything. Why? Because you have to see the bad news in order to see the good news. It wasn't a bad thing that Peter was in this place. It wasn't a bad thing that Peter was like, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. He was right where Jesus wanted him because Jesus is making him. He's building him. And Peter would never be able to appreciate the good news until he recognized the bad news. And in the midst of that bad news, the gospel shines so great because God says, listen, my grace is greater than your past. He says, and so as soon as they landed, what did they do? They left everything and they followed Jesus. They even left the fish, the biggest catch of Peter's life. He says, I don't even care. I just want to be with this man. So three things I want to give us as we move into our Monday, very practical. Three observations that will help us to put to death and to declare game over on comparison is this. Peter, when we look at this passage, he simply positioned himself to hear God's word. Make Sundays a priority, ladies and gentlemen. One year Bible. If you don't have one, pick one up at our tent. Be with, let God, put yourself in a position to hear God's word. Listen, you can listen to the most phenomenal preachers on the planet from your phone. Position yourself to hear God's word. Get, what, what else did Peter do? He gathered with others around God's word. Listen, when God spoke, said, go out into the deep. Peter said, I'm not going to do this alone. Come on, guys. Let's go. Let's do this together. Small groups. If you have not jumped into a small group, you are not meant to do life alone. You want to declare, declare a game over on comparison? Get some people around you that will remind you of this reality. To say, ah, oh, that sounds like a, I don't think so. I think you need to be in more of a but if you say so. We need people like that. Our, 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 my, our computer got water all over it this last week. Kids spilled water all over our computer. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's dead. And then we had Allegra at our house. Allegra came over. She's like, no, it's not. Get some rice. Get a bag. 
pour all this rice in. I'm like, but the rice that we just got, forget the rice, right? Pour it in, pour more in. We're going to seal this bag and just went to work. I probably would have let it just die. But I had somebody around me say, that's what I don't think so. We need to step into it, but if you say so. And, I, and I'm get to, we get to go home and open that bag today. So we're excited about that. And then lastly is this, Peter made a difference with God's word. Jesus didn't even really reply to Peter. He said, listen, Peter, uh, I'm putting you on the team, man. You're getting in the game. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You're going to fish for people. You've been fishing for things that are alive so you can kill them. Now you're going to fish for things that are dead and make them alive. Let's go, Peter. Let's go make a difference. And so all of our church is designed around this reality to put you in a position to hear God's word so that you would know God, so that you'd be able to live free, so that you'd be able to find purpose, so you'd be able to make a difference. And so listen, get connected. You want to know how to make a difference? Jump into Growth Track if you haven't already. If you're on a team, praise God. What else can you do on your job? What else can you do in your home? Called to make a difference, ladies and gentlemen. Amen.